Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects over 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants from the best place to grab a taco or a pizza to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're in Helsinki meeting Helena Puolakka, the chef patron of Savoy, an iconic Helsinki restaurant opened in 1937. Puolakka is one of the most recognized Finnish chefs, leading Savoy with a vision of balancing the rich history of the restaurant with the present. Before returning to Finland in 2019, Puolakka worked abroad for over 20 years, with Pierre Gagnier at Hotel Balzac in Paris, as chef de cuisine in Pierre Kaufmann's La Tante Claire, and as executive chef at Skyland in London. We asked Helena Puolakka to tell us about herself and her journey that's made her one of the most famous chefs from Finland. At the end of our talk, she'll reveal her favorite restaurant recommendations in Helsinki, London and the rest of the world. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. Yes, so first question, <clears throat> Helena. Uh, tell me yourself, who is Helena Polakka? Hi, Helena Polakka is a chef patron at Savoy, Helsinki and Cafe Savoy. And um, chef um, who went to restaurant school over 40 years ago in Helsinki. And uh, lived most of my chef career in London, 25 years. Uh, and returned back to country of origin, Finland, uh, 2019, to take over Savoy. And um, Helena Polaka is a passionate about food, has been passionate about food uh, very early on from the childhood. I grew up um, and spent most of my summers on the southwest coast of Finland, uh, on the island with my my grandparents and my my family. And um, I recall food being very central stage of my life and 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 the produce and the living in wilderness uh, very early on in my life. The road to becoming a well-known chef, how, how did that start? You said you were interested in food, but when did the, the big decision to actually go into cooking, when was that? Um, I wanted to be a, a chef when I was 15, but um, uh, my parents considered that uh, it would be better for me to finish the school and then think about it again, maybe to hoping to me to have an academic career of some kind. Um, but um, mm, I uh, the passion for food uh, started again when I was twenty twenty one. I had spent some time in France to study French. I met my husband, we started tasting wines in a wine club, and uh, through that I got the inspiration back uh, inside me that, you know, actually I, w- I do want to go to a restaurant school. And I so I was relatively old when I started to study, so I was 22, um, but I knew straight away when I entered the school that uh, the practical lesson that this is the thing that I want to live and breathe the rest of my life. And then uh, after school, which uh, first steps into a restaurant? How how which ones uh, were they? I had a quite um, um, how do you say um, 
straightforward thinking. I, uh, there was a very trendy restaurant that had opened in Helsinki and, and the chef owner of the restaurant had been judging my, my practical skills in the, in the, in the last uh, exam at the restaurant school and he gave me exceptional well, uh, you know, I get the five plus, which was the best of the best grades. And, and uh, so I thought that perhaps he could remember me, Jyrki Sukula, and, um, and uh, if I apply to a job in his new restaurant, newly opened restaurant. And, uh, and um, it was very trendy, very foodie, but also a nightclub and, you know, very sort of uh, new to Helsinki skiing at the scene at the, at the early 90s. And I think they opened 92, same time that I went to restaurant school. And then we met 93 and then 94 when I graduated. I, I gathered that this is the man I need to look for job for <laughs> and uh, if those who know Helsinki and your restaurant the circle has now closed the circle has now closed yes we are co-owners uh, colleagues at the restaurant Savoy Palace and uh, Cafe Savoy Helsinki in, and our restaurant group is called Finance Group yeah uh, so that was Helsinki um, working a few years here or when did you go abroad I left Helsinki 1995 first time I went to to Oslo Um, I, my, I, I had a great uh, sort of, uh, I had a vision that I want to work for the best uh, right after school, uh, graduating and as a young chef. And I, I kind of felt that I need to seek myself and find myself in a Michelin star restaurant somewhere in Europe. And of course, France um, uh, was on number one list. But then I got sort of uh, guidance from another chef in, in Helsinki, old school, Lasse, Russell, uh, Lasse Lundqvist, Lars Lundqvist. And, uh, and he, he told me that you have to create your CV. You have to do something to have some, somebody important on your CV before you start to applying for, for, for you know, numerous mission star restaurants in Europe. So he sent me to do a stage uh, in Norway in a one mission star restaurant, Spisesed Feinschmecke. And um, I spent there nearly five months uh, without salary. I was supported, my, 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 my parents supported me greatly to take the step. And so I lived in a terrible small flat in o- Oslo. Uh, the worst of the places in Oslo that you can find a flat, but uh, um, enjoyed tremendously working in that mission environment. And there I read the book that uh, became sort of focal point for me, which was Mark B. White's White Heat. Yes, a classic. A uh, modern classic, classic book. Modern classic. Yeah, yeah. modern classic uh, about chef's lives in a, a top restaurant. And um, I got so inspired by the book that I decided that I will move to London. I will seek, I will want to work, I would like to work for him. And, um, I, and I, have, I was massively obsessed that I, I, I find myself a good job. And, and I applied uh, 1995 summer uh, to all Michelin star restaurants in London. At the time it was 15. Okay. And um, first uh, yes what, okay, reply came from Gordon Ramsay. Uh, he had his restaurant aubergine at the time in Fulham. And, uh, and um, I had a friend of mine who was living in London and she said, you know, you can stay over if you come and do a stage. You know, you do a trial shift there and, and then you can decide whether you want to work for him or wherever you want to work. Uh, and um, I decided to come, go over and do a trial shift and I got employed there and then he gave me an opportunity and um, rest is history uh, it was probably the toughest kitchen that I ever worked in my life um, so the listeners would probably 
ask you, what was he like? He was young, he was ambitious, he was uh, fierce, he was uh, um, all those things that we should not be these days as, a, as a leaders. So uh, you can only imagine that many things um, were different at the time and it was probably the, some of the toughest years in London scene uh, uh, when he was really thriving for his three stars and, and he he just got his first star, the aubergine, when I joined the team there. and. I stayed for six months and I said, I can't, sadly, I can't continue working in this environment. For me, it was too much. Um, and um, But he was, maybe, perhaps he saw that I did something well. I was loyal for six months, which was rare. Uh, I worked hard, 18 hours a day. I put my head down and uh, so he said to me that, okay, if you don't want to work in my kitchen, I can send you to another kitchen. Marcus Waring was opening uh, his first restaurant, Loingerie. Um, at the time and so I went to work there so I, I one job yielded me another job even that I couldn't manage to stay in his kitchen and Gordon Ramsay actually you can see I guess as a sous chef or commis in the pictures of the white heat cookbook cooking with uh, Marco Pierre White yes yeah. yes he was and and then they were tough kitchens they were really tough places and the mentality somehow the culture in, in England has always been very different, uh, but I've learned since that in France it was the same. But um, it's the passion for food and it's, it's the passion for perfection to certain... Uh, there is no excuses of behaving bad and, and manage team badly. I think those days are over, but at the same time, you know, we were still working very hard towards the common goal. We, we were all there for a reason. To, to produce food better than yesterday, better than every day, every service, in an environment that everything needs to be perfect. And I suppose that's the sort of a, sort of a world of a, of a, of a ideal world of a top chef or top restaurants, mm. and still is. Mm. Then Marcus Waring, you mentioned. Then Marcus Waring, another six months. Uh, the story was a little bit of similar to there, but I had a dream. I, I had a dream to get into a better place. I wanted to work uh, even even higher position uh, in, in, in ranking and the only two places really, or three places at the time in London was Mark Pierre White's, the restaurant, three star, Pierre Kaufman, three star, La Tante Claire, or Le Gavroche. Uh, um, and uh, perhaps because La Tante Claire had been the platform for Gordon Ramsay and Mark Pierre White, and it was so well known, um, I decided that, you know, I will apply to get a job there. And that was a turning point for me because I, I, I was insisting to, to get the job uh, in his kitchen and uh, determined. I called him tw- two weeks every day. Pierre Kaufman. Pierre Kaufman, mm-hmm. La Tante Claire. And uh, eventually the poor receptionist said that there's this girl that she's been calling every day. Chef, do you have, do you have a job for her? <laughs> Basically, this is how the story goes. And, and you know, opening after summer holiday in, in a three mission star restaurant, you can imagine that even the team is full, you still get to the point that, uh, you know, after two weeks there might be positions available that someone didn't last. And, and he came on the phone and said, you can start uh, next Monday. Okay. And, um, and how was that? I was thrilled. I was I was ecstatic. I was I was I was thinking, my God, I'm going to work in the best restaurant in London, and um, 
even that I've heard so many stories about him and his youth and his uh, his um, way of managing the kitchens, you know. Uh, after the first year, I felt that it was extraordinary. It was a wonderful kitchen to work in. Yes, he was temperamental and he was uh, quite demanding, and, and, and but somehow um, he also set a platform for people who show their skills and uh, ambition to learn, and he gave the opportunity. And how, uh, um, as a kitchen restaurant culture, how did it differ from from, say, Gordon Ramsay? Um, his team was stronger in the sense that he has established himself in, in a good place. He had several years already, three mission stars. It was a calmer environment, but a very hard environment to work. Very hard. We, we did everything from the scratch, you know, in, in a level of detail of uh, managing to produce that there was no wastage and, and, and every part of the animals were used. So there was a lot of you know, a lot of labor that we would into uh, in every day, starting from the scratch. And um, it was it was nice environment for him because I learned so many sort of very classical French uh, cuisine in his restaurant, which has always been very close to my heart. But at the same time, a lot of technical skill. You know, we manipulated the animals, whole animals, the birds, the game, the you name it, everything came whole, more or less whole into our kitchen. And, and um, to... To labor that through the day and to manage to do service, you had to really put all of your efforts and skills and mindset into it. So, you know, hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then London continued for how many years? So London continued. So in total, I worked for Pierre Kaufman for five years. And between that, I was in Paris as well, nearly two years for Pierre But London continued uh, in a very different environment. When I eventually jumped out of a, a sort of Michelin um, world, I was ambitious to learn about business, whether the restaurants are business. I also learned my own style of cooking and, uh, and um, somehow, you know, jump out of it and see where you, where you land. Because it isn't. We're talking about now. We're talking about you know early, uh, late you know early two thousands and and even that uh, London had developed so many so many and produced so many new nice restaurants over the uh, the last five years of the nineteen nineties. Still, it was from from culinary perspective, it was still uh, early stage. London flourished flourished as a as a sort of. Uh, cosmopolitan city what it is today Mm. and what it offers to anybody who wants to eat I ended up working in a neighborhood restaurant uh, called Sunny's uh, owned by Rebecca Mascarenches who's been a restaurateur for over 30 years now in London and and, and, um, she had a simple restaurant in Barnes Um, she had a vision what and how the food should be. She had a small deli uh, within the restaurant, and it was a busy operation. We did hundred covers every night, and um, I was put together with her. A mutual friend knew that I was looking for a job, and I met her, and, and she gave me the carte blanche to cook what I want, as long as that she could have the conversation of menu with me, sort of regular basis, that anything and everything went to menu, 
we had a conversation. We talked food with her. And it was an amazing platform for a young chef like me. A, I needed to create a, a team, and B, I needed to jump into a position that um, it's my food, and what what is my food, and start that sort of um, journey in, in a young chef's life. It's quite interesting. And I think, you know, the three years at Sunny's, um, and then moving from Sunny's to a very different ball game, taking over Harvey Nichols Fifth for... Uh, the restaurant and the and the cafe there, uh, and and um, being part of the food hall as well a little bit there. It was it was that was the sort of move for me that brought me into some kind of um, limelight in that uh, I started to be knowledge as a chef uh, and who is this girl and what what's her pedigree and where she come from and why should she get the job and and it's quite interesting because. In a way, at Sunny's, I cooked beautiful food, comfort food, sort of bistro food for three years with the best of ingredients that I learned from the best of the restaurants in, in London. Um, of course, the guest, acknowledging that there is very good food and, uh, and, and, and we had a wonderful rapport with the, with the owner, Rebecca, and also learning to manage my team and, and, and the expectations of the team and what needs to be given uh, so that people will last, because at the end of the day, from, from very early on, I understood that you know you can't run a restaurant in a manner that some of the most successful chefs have run their restaurants uh, in the beginning of the you know early stage of their years. Because at the end of the day, you need the team. You need to have that. You might be the brain and the heart, what's in, written in the menu, but you need the team to deliver. And when you don't have enough of those bodies there, I think it's um, many chefs probably have been in a position in their lives that, oh, actually something needs to change. If I can't manage, then I need to find someone else who manages things for me differently. And, and, um, and the culture has had to take a tweak to go forward. And, 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 and today, if we compare now, where we need to be as a, as a managers, as a leaders, and at the and, and same time fulfill all the young chefs' wishes, what they want to see and learn in your kitchens, you still need to set up a completely different platform as a, as a culture and working culture and environment for that. Yeah, yeah, a change has, has happened to the better. Yeah. Of course, it's not, not all over, but, but there has been a change in the last yes. 10 years or so. And I think, you know, for me, in, in, in Harvey Nichols was interesting for many, many ways. I was there only two years. Um, I learned the business. I had a great uh, general manager, uh, a French guy, uh, who worked with me very closely for two years. And Harvey Nichols is a fashion business. It sells clothes. And, um, but at the end of the day, the, the, the population and the, the, the number of people and the covers that we did in those restaurants was huge, absolutely huge. And, uh, and um, but the business side of it was interesting. That you, I had to first time manage um, the restaurant as a business together with the general manager mm-hmm. and learn the numbers and where where it all adds up and how it works and how it doesn't. And um, it was a great learning curve and moved me completely. Uh, I, I would say moved me into the next level of being a, being a chef. Uh, that. Um, that then came along when I uh, 
was approached uh, D&D London uh, for the Skylon project that was their first restaurant and Royal Festival Hall. And uh, they called me three times that do you want to come? And the third time when they, I, I, I just had, I, I had a, my first child when I was having Nichols. I'd been away for a couple of months. I returned from my maternity leave back to the business, me being very loyal to all the people that I always worked. It's important, that's the loyalty. I think it's a Finnish sort of skill. Fin, Finns are very loyal. Uh, I've had many people working for me from Finland and, uh, and it's a nice, a nice, nice thing to have. That uh, to to give some loyalty uh, to the employers, but um, they called me three times. Uh, that would I be interested? And on the third time, I said I'd just been back two months. I said, "What is this project? Tell me, give me, give me five phrases. What is this? It's the biggest opening 2007 in Helsinki, uh, in London. Sorry, uh, and um, you have 12 meter high windows overlooking River Thames, and you have a uh, you know, everything there for you to wait. You come and cook as an executive chef. And 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 the funny thing was that by the time they asked me the third time, my entire team had been already employed from Harvey Echoes to go into this project. To Skyline? To Skyline. Okay. So, so when I said yes, my, uh, my managers heard that I said yes, and they already nearly signed the papers. So it was, it was like, you know, a ship changing, you know, the staff just changing the ship, you know, big operation, and majority of the team just followed into Scotland. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, that, that's, that's another thing in restaurant world, that like in any, any, I suppose any industry, but, you know, the, the teams are such an important uh, teams are in such an important role uh, to really uh, create a successful restaurant. Uh, the right people in the right positions and, and the rapport between the back of house and front of house and the managers, uh, you know, that was successful right from the beginning. Mm. We, we went there, we created a big restaurant that was super successful for, I was there for six years. And, uh, and, um, it was a nice, beautiful environment to be. So it, this is another thing that you you know you, you you can have restaurants in different kind of environments, and you know culturally, uh, very sort of uh, democratic area in London, major refurbishment in the whole South Bank area that contained many businesses, many restaurants, uh, and and the, and the thriving cultural side of it, the uh, art, music. Um, and and being part of something like that, like the pre-theater business for us in a, in Skyland, was like at seven o'clock, two hundred people would stand up and want to pay their bills, and then they went to the concert. Mm-hmm. Another learning curve to create a menus that you are you have the ability that the team, you know, have have the strength and ability to produce great food what you want to produce. And I'm always been ambitious on food side uh, to kind of make it happen. And then comes the regular guest, night the seven thirty reservation walks in after you've done the pre theater, and um, we were lucky. We were lucky in a position in terms of uh, the operation itself and the whole refurbishment of the area. And it was a very uh, and it was beautiful restaurant mm. from the design perspective mm. and 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 uh, everything that ha- had been chosen uh, table top. You know the cutlery. The, the uniforms, you know, 
sort of very really big opening in London. And you had no plans to leave London, did you? I had no plans to leave. I thought I'm going to be there the rest of my life. Uh, but six years. But I left, um, sadly, because um, they, we had a gener- uh, general manager leaving. And um, I wanted to be the chef patron for the restaurant so that I would take over the front of the house as well, under my wing. And um, they refused to give me the role after six years. And then, uh, but you planned to stay in London, but then came something. <laughs> yeah, I, I came for something, yes. I, I planned to stay in London the rest of my life, and I think uh, um, I never thought that I would return back to my uh, my country, Finland, and I always felt that uh, uh, Finland has sort of going further and further out of me, and, and, and when I had a phone call regarding Savoy, um, December t- 2018 I, I I was so surprised firstly because it never crossed my mind that Savoy would be offered to me um, I don't know for why I suppose Savoy has always lived its own life you know in in sense that it's a, it's a legendary restaurant that has been open for 85 years now um, I say now that you know I'm here bear visitor. I might be the owner and, um, and, and the chef patron of this place, but I'll do my 20 years and then some, who is going to continue after me? You know, somebody. I don't know. I will be here in my last days of when I, when I live. I think the fact that you... I was giving an opportunity yet again to work for the best. I've always wanted to work for the best and the best has always been normally people or somebody, a chef or restaurateur, you know. So I, I kind of, I've never looked for a job. The, the work has always come to me. But at the same time, there is always, there's been a link to somehow to the West. And, uh, and, uh, and in this instance, it's, it's Savoy. And I think... Uh, um, a few words about the restaurant. Someone who doesn't know the place, what's, uh, so, Savoy, how do you present it? Yeah, Savoy was founded in 1937 by Mayra Gulikshen, who uh, appointed Aino and Alvarado uh, to do the design for the restaurant. And um, it's on the eighth floor overlooking the Esplanade Park uh, in the central city of Helsinki. And it is a beautiful site of Alto's design, has been operating since as a commercial site and um, there's been a restaurateur as a Myra Gulick chain it's never been a chef-led restaurant as such of course she appointed a great chefs uh, to start with and 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 history has continued so um, but um, it's a very unique space and it lives a sort of its own life on the on, on, on the eighth floor. And everybody probably in Finland knows Savoy. Yeah, I agree. Um, or know of Savoy. Um, it has had its culinary highlights, years that have been very good, and years that haven't been so good. And I think um, the stage that when I took over Savoy, uh, or we took over Savoy before the refurbishment, restoration of the room, um, 
it was sort of a bit tired from the culinary's perspective. You know, it had seen many years of lack of love and 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 um, and when an old classical restaurant ends into that position, it's urging to be you know saved, and I think um, somehow we managed to to do it uh, in sense of that if you're beautiful original chairs from 85 years are nearly breaking down under the guests when they are sitting down and, and somebody needs to be done. So we've done a huge investment to to restore everything at Savoy and it looks very much uh, and closer to the origin of 1937. Over the decades, uh, you know, bad decisions on refurbishments can easily uh, destroy such a beautiful environment and, and great even the greatest design if uh, bad choices are done but uh, now it's done to the state that it will last the next 85 years I hope after my time and a few words about the food here the food is very classical uh, I would say very classical uh, French and Finnish with uh, maybe a hint of heritage of us being part of Russia um, uh, is, is can still be seen uh, on the menu, you know. And um, for example, vorschmak, which is a sort of uh, you know Eastern European Russian dish uh, of a stew, uh, seventy-two hours cooked lamb stew, very very traditional thing, um, has been on the menu since nineteen thirty-seven and will continue being on the menu uh, forever. But I think my style on food, uh, what I cook. Um, I, my, I would say that it's very classical French with a, um, with a lighter and more feminine touch to it. And, um, but also uh, importance of the seasonality, uh, the old school uh, mentality of seasonality and importance of, of, of uh, seasonal heights. And, you know, the game season is very strong for us. Uh, the the tradition of game season uh, at Savoy has been strong. It's very strong uh, in me. I've learned so much of it uh, from from uh, Pierre Kaufman at La Tante Claire, and then I think uh, you know. And of course, the the produce uh, today. It's also important for us to try to source the produce as close as possible. Finland is is difficult country in sense after so many decades abroad you know it has taken me quite some time to realize that uh, that where do we get the best seasonal produce to put on our menus uh, 12 months a year because yes the summer is great yes the autumn is great and the late spring sort of edge of spring and summer is great but the winter is really tough, so you have to produce things, you have to preserve things, uh, you have to try to, you know, really go back in time uh, to to have the have some of the summer produce uh, to be used even in the winter months. Mm. But essentially, Finnish, uh, mostly French. Uh, that's what I am. What that's what we do here. In the next part of the podcast, we'll hear Helena Puolakka's favorite restaurant recommendations in Helsinki, London, and the rest of the world.
We're now sitting in one of the, the private functions rooms uh, in the seventh floor, right under the restaurant, where you also serve uh, dinners and lunches for, for uh, um, private groups. Uh, and we can obviously see the, the beautiful design here of, of Aino and Alvar Alto. Uh, we're also looking out from the windows, we see the treetops of the Esplanade Park and all of the center of Helsinki. Uh, if we move over to restaurants, to other restaurants, uh, in your hometown Helsinki, uh, could you name a few favorite places that you really think would be, you would recommend for your friends coming for London, from London or from other places? Some of my favorite restaurants in Helsinki, what I would like to take my friends to, I think is um, Atelier Finne is one of them. Um, I like the style of the food. I know the chef. He used to work for me many years in London, but the owners and, and, and but it's just uh, in its own simple way. It's in an old atelier of a, of a sculpture and, um, and, and it's delicious food. Very, very delicious food in a simple environment. Uh, same thing is Nolla. I think Nolla is great in the sense of um, uh, they met, you know, they concept that they use everything. They have zero wastage. Uh, but I think on a hospitality side, uh, Nolla is uh, it's it's so warm. I think the less is more approach at Nolla in sense of um, the respect for the produce itself. Uh, what they use and their mindset. It's super seasonal and, and in essence the fact that they, they, they've been so true to their concept that they have zero wastage and how they've created that and how they the thinking process. And they just turned five years old and I think they're doing super well. Mm-hmm. Where else would I took my friends in Helsinki? Of course Paula said, but I can't. I can't. It's our our company, but it's a unique experience. And that's uh, the only two star restaurant in Finland. Yeah, yeah. I think Paula said just gained two stars last year, and I think it so deserved it. And 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 uh, the setup there that you are by the harbor and you see over the sea, you know, you see the, to the sea, and it's it's on the tenth floor. It's it's unique. It's beautiful, beautiful setup. Classical Egberg on the boulevard is great. I think that's quite um, something because that's a very old place. That opened 18... 1852. 1852, my God. Egberg, yes. so old. Yeah, uh, and and... Actually, the tradition there that you can feel it from when you are sitting in Eber and having a breakfast or, or or just for coffee in the afternoon, you can feel it through the uh, the guest that they've been coming there for generations after generations. You can kind of see and feel that, and it's a very traditional place to come for a cake and a coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, or then we move over to to London. Yes. Uh, so London, uh, you go there every now and then every year. Uh, yes, I go every now and then, yes. Last time I went, I spoke to my colleague on the phone and I said, I'm going back home. Uh, <laughs> this is my colleague from my restaurants these days. And they said, no, you're not going back home. You're always in Finland. Um, London, um, yeah, London is wonderful from, uh, from many perspectives because it, it, the platform for, for culinary world now, nowadays is incredible. Um, Maybe one of my recent sort of uh, discoveries in London is is a restaurant called Saisin. Um, beautiful food, absolutely. 
um, the chef is Theo Clench and his, um, his approach to food is somehow very simple, but at the same time it's full of flavor. And, and, and the, the experience for me was like, oh, it was, we, we had a long lunch there this summer and um, we were surprised how uh, classical food cooked simply, but the twists of Japan that he has in his cuisine and, uh, and, and the methods of, of uh, dry aging fish. And it's a small restaurant, they do 16 covers a night uh, in a beautiful setup in uh, uh, East London. Uh, Blue Mountain School is the, is the building where they are. And, and um, yes, it was very nice. Oh. Any classic favorites that you that you always return to? Favorites, I think um, uh, lobster in some form or the other. Probably um, uh, lobster bisque uh, that um, Pierre Kaufman cooks. Okay, is is something that I I am um, I'm, I am happy. Or game game birds, uh, grouse, for example, grouse season in in England. Um, starts on 14th of August. A great roast grouse. Oh yes, that would be wonderful. In a pub in a countryside somewhere. Very simple, very simple thing with a beautiful red wine. Uh, sort of late summer, late lunch, mm. uh, Sunday lunch would be wonderful. And which place would that, would that be if you don't have the luxury of eating it at Pierre Kaufman's home? Yes. Where uh, any restaurants you would uh, go for such places, for such dishes or that type of food? Um, I think um, um, Richard Corrigan cooks that type of food in London. And he's recently opened at the, at the National Portrait Gallery on the top floor this summer. Um, I would imagine that he certainly would cook that to perfection there. Um, definitely. And if I think of London, otherwise, uh, you know, uh, Chinese food has always been in great uh, platform in London, but sort of modern Chinese, somewhere like A Wong in Victoria, uh, near Victoria Station in London, it's it's been there over 10 years now. And, you know, it's, I think, uh, what Andrew has done, the chef Andrew Wong has done in sense of the uh, food there, Modern Chinese food with two Michelin stars is unique. Very impossible to get a table, as you can imagine. But uh, I really, really, I've enjoyed many wonderful meals there. But anything classical, like I mean, afternoon tea, for example, in London. And where where would you have that? Would you go for the hotels or or where? Definitely hotels. I would probably go to um, uh, Ritz. It's unique, but I would probably go to. Somewhere like Claridge's or Connaught uh, in Mayfair. Connaught is a smaller environment for that. Uh, same same thing, Claridge's is as quintessential English, even more than Ritz, because Ritz always has so many tourists and the afternoon tea has become a sort of larger than life there that they do uh, afternoon tea from morning till night uh, and so, but, but, but it is, it's always wonderful to visit and enjoy afternoon tea in London.
any other places in the world uh, you would have have uh, some places you would send friends and other people that you really Absolutely. like? Absolutely. Um, uh, in Italy, um, I would go to um, a place called San Fruttuoso, which is outside of um, uh, Portofino. You have to access the place uh, by boat, um, or you can hike there from Portofino. And there is a restaurant, uh, Giorgio. Uh, they have six, table, six tables, and the, and the, and the, and the kitchen is, is sort of inside the rocks. You know, there's two, three chefs working. And um, I've been there over the last years a um, few times. And um, the seafood that you get in that restaurant, it's a simple setup. And they get the seafood outside of the bay of San Fruttuoso every, every, um, every, um, every day. And the rest, re, restaurant so Giorgio. Okay. Very difficult to find a number to reserve the table, but it's always worth the visit. It has a, a small, small old monastery, and it has a beautiful bay where you can swim. And another place uh, in Italy, um, uh, Langosteria, in Parace, Bay of Parace. Again, the same region uh, between uh, Santa Margherita and Portofino. More commercial, more more sort of uh, design, and but uh, seafood, fish, but the setup. It's a bay of Parachi. It's a small bay, and the restaurant sits in the middle of it. Now there's several other restaurants, but when he first Enrico Buonacore, when he first started that restaurant, it was it was the only restaurant in that in that village, and uh, it's just so beautiful. They now becoming uh, more global, and they have restaurants also in Cheval Blanc in Paris and two other places in Milan. And I, I heard this summer that they will also open in London. So it's coming bigger environment. But started from one place, and it's just so nice, so nice. And uh, the food and the wine and the brand is co- all coming together so nicely. And the food is delicious. Yeah, yeah. Simple, delicious. Okay. And I think, I suppose, for me, like probably for many chefs, uh, the, the less is more approach to food, what we want to eat when we are out and about. Uh, final question. Um, if you would uh, be able to skip work this week uh, for a few days and uh, pack your bags uh, and with your husband, leave for any restaurant in the world and have a meal there, uh, which... Uh, restaurant might that I would head to Fogo Island in uh, it's a place that I've been watching and and, and, and and following in Instagram I don't know how the food is there but the setup as a hotel and the place where it is where, where it is I think it's just it's it's extraordinary Okay. It's 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 in, it is it, the modern uh, design of the place, and the outskirt, and you're in, overlooking an ocean uh, in in an environment that yes, definitely, it's on, I will go there one day. Maybe some lobster there. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, hopefully, you'll get there soon. And uh, Helena Polakka, thank you so much for this, and good luck with uh, all your restaurants. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the World of Mouth podcast with Chef Helena Puolakka in Helsinki, Finland. 
Find all of the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more on the World of Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at worldofmouth.app. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. I'm Kenneth Nars. Until next week, when we meet Chef Nick Brill in Antwerp, Belgium. Mm-hmm.